0: Hey welcome Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radios, Episode 476. You know, in every facet of life, may it be work or business, there are always better options to arrive at an output. You have your disciplines of systems already in place, but can it still be better? Here's a wide open, powerful discussion showing you some great process and productivity hacks that can improve your overall efficiency. I sat with Chris Clodier
1: and Scott Brown at ASTE twenty nineteen. <laughs> But how cool is it that you can be in an industry where you can be in a 20 group with, or, or something like that, and you have 19, 16 other owners that are willing to share everything?
0: Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hi, friends. Carm Capriato, your automotive aftermarket podcast guy, here reminding you to stay ahead of the curve in today's rapidly changing industry. Now, I can't wait to see the cool new products and technologies at Apex this year. In fact, it's the number one reason shop owners attend. Be there November 5th through the 7th at the Sands Expo in Las Vegas. Still plenty of time to get on board, but time is quickly running out. For information, visit aapexshow.com. For important information, visit aapexshow.com. And don't forget, if you get an Apex Pass, you also get a pass for SEMA. And for your information at Apex, I'll be there with my studio, Level 2. We'll moderate a panel and be live with the Carmcast and the Town Hall Academy. I've got another shop tour experience planned that you are invited to. Watch my social media for all the details. Now let's talk about productivity and efficiency hacks on how it could improve you and those around you. There's a lot of examples and ideas here in this episode, but one that stands out, leveraging digital technology. We've got a lot on our plates already, and we need all the help we can get. And we need to have all the necessary tools and ingredients ready to be used from logistics to communication disciplines. Embracing tech might be able to save you tons of money and time. And with Chris Clodier, the owner of Golden Rule Auto Care in Dallas, Texas, and CEO of Auto Text Me. Chris spent many years in the software industry developing solutions for companies, and he owns two shops. And Scott Brown is here, ASE Master Certified, who, along with his wife, own Connie and Dick's Service Center in Claremont, California. And Scott is the founder of Diag.net. Find Chris and Scott's bios, key talking points for this episode, and links to their previous episodes and more at RemarkableResults.biz slash E476. Now be prepared for about a dozen quality nuggets coming your way to help improve your world. Hey, a warm welcome to Chris Clodier, Golden Rule Auto Care, Dallas, Texas. I think you're going to hear conference voice from all of us here this morning. (laughs) And founder of Autotext.me. Hey, Chris. How are you doing, Carm? Barry White, I know. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Scott Brown, Connie and Dix, Claremont, California, and founder of Diag.net.
2: Hi, Scott. Hey, good morning, Carm. You never have conference voice. <laughs> uh, this is just my standard voice.
1: Yeah, no, this, no, no, no. He's blessed with one yeah. of those very White voices. Yeah.
0: We're at ASTE, Cary, North Carolina, from the Independent Garage Owners of North Carolina. And uh, I was here last year, and I didn't think they could overdo it, but they did. A lot more people here than ever. It just seems to be a magnet for people. and. Yesterday, I did an episode with these guys that closed their shop and brought their entire teams here. And I moderated a panel yesterday and I asked how many closed their shops and I was blown away. There had to be 20 shop owners there with their teams and they closed. And and you know what, if this is a trend, man, let's
2: sign up for this thing. This is great. Yeah. Bob and Tricia have done a remarkable job of growing this show. Yes, That's they awesome. have. Yes, they have.
0: So you guys not only uh, own shops, but you you do, you know, you guys are multi-purpose um, leaders in our industry, but I, I just want you to put your shop owner's hat on today. And I want to talk about shop hacks and productivity hacks, things that uh, have, you've either tried and they didn't work or you're currently doing and you're trying because I think our audience desperately wants to say, you know, teach me something new. What can I do to uh, to make the flow front front of shop to back of shop and, you know,
2: meetings with techs. The biggest deficiency piece that i ever see or that i see in a shop is uh, communication right and communication that could be to the customer to the to the back shop front shop uh among the technicians and you know over the years we've uh used several communication enhancement tools uh, out there but on top of the communication tools you know policies and procedures should be in place so how you actually co- uh, communicate and document and, and what have you but one of the best free things that i've seen out there to leverage is a a little communicator it's kind of like a chat type application there's a number of them out there but one that works remarkably well Uh, and if you outgrow it you can actually bump up into a you know a paid for Mm -hmm. uh, product and that's a product called slack i love slack
0: huge you know what scott Uh, we should stop for a moment and um, i talk to people about slack a lot thanks for bringing it up And they look at you like, yeah, I I need something else. And I said, no, you don't understand. The Fortune 500 companies of our world use Slack. Well, that's too sophisticated for me. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Mm. And and if you're using Slack to communicate, and I'm using Slack, I'm in four Slack groups, guys, independent of my Mm. own business so that I could stay in touch. And, well, karma, isn't it like
2: email? So tell them it's not like email, Scott. No, it's uh, it's bad. the The replacement for email. I yeah. mean, email communication can be very, very sloppy. And just think about, you know, say, you're working with a couple of people on a project, and then you bring somebody in new midstream in this project. How do you get them caught up? Uh, do you copy emails and then have them try to fish through there? And and you have, you know, not following best practices in email. Nobody's quoting anything. Nobody's responding in line. Um, it's very frustrating. But yeah, having multiple, I, I, I'm in multiple Slack groups. And having the ability to just jump right in there and communicate nonlinearly, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're in between, you're, you're communicating, and then when you get time, you can come back and answer questions or what have you. But it allows us to also document things along the way. So things that just happen in the shop, yeah. one of the things I show off in my class, in my digital communications class, is, uh, you know, I ask, hey, does anybody ever have any deficiencies with their uniform service? And almost everybody has a problem with their uniform service. So anytime we have a problem, guy, you know, tech goes, Hey, I only got three shirts this week. Take a picture of it, dump it in the, we have a uniform service Slack channel. Cool. You dump it right in there. So what happens is, you know, the manager comes by you know, once every quarter or whatever, and he says, Hey, how's the service going and all that? Well, come on over here. Let's just sit down and we're going to open up the Slack uh, channel. We're going to see how good your service is doing. He hates coming into our shop. Because we we basically highlight all of their deficiencies. And unfortunately, they don't always take care of business. But, you know, in the past, what would happen is that somebody would tell somebody else, hey, I didn't get any uniforms, and then it would kind of... D- it would fizzle. High. It would yeah, fizzle out. Yeah. Then somebody comes by and says, hey, how's the uniform service coming? You know, he just comes in and tags mm-hmm. and, and he's out. But now we're able to actually show him with Quantify of data and, and everything else. It's Accountability. It's, yeah, yeah. Very nice. So let, let, me, let me add one more thing to Slack
0: so that I can really, we can convince people how important Slack is. Every once in a while, I um, I get an, an important email and I'm traveling or I'm busy and things are going on. Our lives are just So, so fast today. And someone sends me an email a week later and says, I'm just trying to ping you to put my email at the top of your stack. Mm -hmm. And Slack eliminates that. And the thing you said about channels is so cool because... Who would have ever thought you would have had a uniform channel? And that is, a, if you will, a subject matter like a folder. Mm-hmm. But all of the communications about uniforms go in there. So you don't have to search chaotically looking for specific stuff.
2: I imagine you have one on processes. We have, we have it on pretty much anything. And then, <laughs> and then if somebody, something comes up and we say, hey, you know what? We need a channel for that. Bam. We can just
1: set the channel up and, and subscribe everybody to it. And yeah. now you're ready to go. Good. Love it. Slack. Very nice. We use Google Hangouts okay. for the software company. And then in our internal tool, we have a built-in type communication between technician. But I want to guess uh, kind of take the customer side of it and the customer hack. Okay, and, and maybe not from the Slack point of view, but obviously one of the companies that I, I run is all about text communication. Yeah, right, right. So I would say just looking at that and the ability to, you know, text update a a customer saves you a lot of time, right? If you're looking at steps going back to the bays to figure out, you know, what's happening, what's going on. If you have some sort of workflow with texting, that certainly helps the amount of time wasted on a phone call when somebody calls in and said, hey, what's going on with my vehicle, right? You're basically putting them on hold and you're having to go walk back to the bay, find the technician who may or may not be on a test drive or may be in the bathroom, maybe not you know, having to go answer that phone call. Whereas if you have some sort of workflow and communication tool, then you think about the the time saved. And then I I say this in my class yesterday, think about this. When somebody calls you, how much time do you have to answer that phone call? You have to answer immediately, right? You have to get them the answer right then and there. You can't put them on hold for 10 minutes. But when you text somebody, how much time do you have, right? To be able to respond to a text. Hey, which class are you teaching here? I taught yesterday shop it, technologies. Okay,
0: yeah. You didn't do the one on uh, technology timeline, yeah? Did that you? was me. Oh, that was you. That was me. Cool. Yeah. yeah We've yeah. done an episode on that. We have. Got to yes. go back and look at Chris Clodier and, and, and listen to that. Uh,
1: probably hasn't changed, has it? Yeah, it has. It, it continuously evolves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah We've done it. A couple of new bubbles and a couple of new phases. Absolutely, you're using a workflow to tell the guys the parts
0: are ordered and their parts aren't here and start the job right. You're using all electronic workflow. Yes, Scott,
2: you, we are okay. We've got a shop management system that uh, allows us to dispatch jobs out. Technicians can communicate back and kick the ticket back and say, "Hey, I need, uh, I need, you know, estimation. I need approval." Or I need another part, or the part's wrong, or what have you. So we use we have internal tools inside of that application as well to communicate digitally with a photo or any other rich media. We can also we can use Slack on the side as well because inside of our shop management program, there is a visibility piece for the consumer. Um, so that's how we we help con, you know uh, communicate to them. And I, I'd like to go back and you know comment on what Chris said. We are communicating with a customer on their terms, right, right. On, on how they expect to, to transact. Everybody's got a busy life, right? And so we could be in a board meeting, boardroom like this, and you get a text message, you know, you're in this meeting, but you, you look and you go, oh, I need front brakes, it's 325, boom, approved. That's the modern way to do that. That's next. the speed of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the guys I was in a shop a couple
0: of weeks ago, uh, whiteboard, magnetic stuff? And every, you know, the, the chess
1: pieces have to be moved on it. Is that going away? I would think so. So before I developed the product I did, that's the way it was done was with a whiteboard erasers. I'll tell you this, and I don't know if Scott has this problem in his shop, but to get a guy to click a button is hard. So to get a guy to update a whiteboard is even harder, right? The more that somebody has to do, and, and I'm not calling my people lazy by any means, but you give them too many tasks and they get buried down and bogged in their day and they'll start taking shortcuts to get the job done that much quicker. And that's human nature. We, we, we take shortcuts. We're talking about shop hacks right now. We're talking about efficiencies right now. So if you have a board and you're having a race, as soon as it gets busy, you're not erasing and putting it back and moving it. Maybe you have somebody who's very disciplined and does it. But if you have some sort of digital whiteboard and it's click of a button, and then there are some systems that are even becoming smarter For instance, the system we work with, Mm -hmm. if the technician starts interacting with the digital inspection, it'll automatically move it to that status. So we know once the interaction starts that the technician has. Oh wow, that's a little AI going on. Yeah, yeah, predictive types understanding. So no longer do you even have to click the button to go to diagnosing because we know once again, once that interaction starts happening, that. Let's 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 go ahead and move it there. I can't. I can't imagine
0: sitting in the room saying nothing's off the table. Give me some idea. Well, figure out what I'm doing
2: and then tell the rest of the world. And that's what you did. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Cool. Right, it's kind of working like the b- way your brain thinks, right? I remember back yeah. in the day, we thought we were pretty advanced. We, you know, we we're using a big whiteboard and we had columns for all the all the technicians, and then we had some rows for different statuses, you know. And we're, you know, shuffling stuff around. I the visual I get is the. The uh, aircraft carrier guy, man, you know, he's, he's standing there and he's, the planes are coming and landing and they're sliding this guy over here and all that. And what a, what a chaotic mess. Why not have that stuff? Why not leverage the digital technology that's available to actually have it work for us? You,
0: you just brought up something so cool. You remember the old war movies? Mm-hmm. And they had the ships and the, and the troops, you know, yeah. on this ty- typographic type map. I'd love to know what they do today. (laughs) It's probably all 3D holographic uh, computer stuff, right? Yeah. They
2: have GPS, right? That's right. And others. They they don't
0: have to. Uh, They just moved 50 feet
2: down (laughs) to the right.
0: (laughs) GPS is real time. Yeah. Which is really, I think, what you're saying. It's it's all happening in real time.
1: And it should. And and so being a shop owner and being a software developer, and I mean, I developed the first couple of revisions of the software, but... I'm always looking to reduce clicks. It's just like reducing steps. The, the the less I have to force somebody to do something, the the better. The more it's part of their natural day, the better. And there's a couple of things that they interact with, not just the inspection, but there's a couple of what I call subtasks that once they start interacting with that, it has the ability to move it to that. right? So you're starting to move people along, along your workflow because that natural reaction to the sub-status or sub-step is... Basically them doing that step. Just somebody didn't click a button to go there.
2: Yeah, what's amazing, you know, he brought up a good point. You know, he's he's developing and he's also at the ground level understanding what the needs and wants are. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I've been in that, I, I've operated in that same space and I understand the, you know, how to get from point A to point Y, right? Absolutely. What's more, what what is more frustrating today to pick up an application that's developed and published and you're going, oh my God! I got to click three things to get to this one step. And I'm going, who who looked at the user interface, the user experience, and all that stuff? It, it's incredible, but. Uh having a nice streamlined approach, you know, one click solves like three things, you know, uh, give, give the guy two choices and you're maybe answering five questions at the same time. Right. I, yeah. So absolutely. it seems to me that the genius person in this,
0: all of this, and it could be you, Chris, it's not me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it could be uh, years ago in, in another life. Um, I was really good at taking what we needed to do here and communicate it to the programmers was really good. And then they would say, "Uh, we can't do that. And I said, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. And then I would always end up getting what I wanted. But my job of explaining to them why made them write it even better. And then once they got inside of it, they said, well, wait a minute. That's a great idea. But we can save another step here that I wasn't thinking about. And and I guess the, the thing about getting really good programmers or really good lead uh, and I don't know the name of the person that would interface. Here's what I
1: need. And, you know, business analysts. Is is it what That's it would be? typically yeah. what it is. Is that, in the how, software world. is that how that works with you? I, I've been blessed. So before in a previous life, I was just a developer and I've spent a lot of time working on communication. I mean, I've been in Toastmasters for 20 years because I was I was the one behind the keyboard hacking away. and something the business analyst would come to me and I couldn't talk to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this is a problem. Because that business analyst or or that project manager is is extremely important. And if they don't speak geek and you don't speak their language, then, like Scott says, there's a lot lost in translation. Do this, like you just said. Well, that's a lot. You know, the good thing about software is you can do anything. The bad thing about software is you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And scope creep happens, and bad UI happens, and Mm -hmm. bad design happens. (laughs) Scope creep. I love that. So I spent a lot of time trying to improve my communication so I can now... Translate that layer. So I I can I can speak geek, but I can also speak business intelligence and I can speak shop owner and I can speak one of my best bosses when I was working at Wynnum International. And he said, well, how much time do you spend on the counter? We were working on a rewards and referral program. And we were working on some of the check in, check out profile. And this is this is early Internet. It was all very cool stuff. And I said, well, I don't spend any time on the counter. He goes, really? And I said, well, how much do you spend at the at the counter? He goes, every Friday I go up there. And I said, why? And he goes, well, you're never going to be a good developer. You're never going to be a good architect until you understand what they go through and what mm-hmm. they do. And I'm like, oh, that's stupid. And, you know, like Scott's saying, I mean, now when you're there in the shop, you know, if it doesn't work, my guys tell me. Yeah. I have two shops now. Man, they're very vocal because they're the test. They're the guinea pigs. You know,
2: Are
0: they behind you <laughs> and looking for uh uh, and i don't want to say the word shortcuts but but smarter software
1: are they are they helping you every day whether they want to or not
2: <laughs> right <laughs> they're, they're opening up those opportunities so that's a, that's a good way to to slice it up is that there needs to be a lot of overlap and visibility into the process so that they can understand they go oh why they may bring a new perspective in right the developer comes right. in and he goes why are you guys jumping through those three hoops right there? I can solve that with uh, with this. There's and check hoop. this out. Yes. Does this make yeah. sense? Well, in some in some cases, it doesn't make sense to actually go down that path because again, you know, you don't look at the whole scope and you don't always get what you want. Right? Having that overlap and understanding what's going on. You know that guy, that Wyndham guy. He's saying, "Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at the user interaction, and I'm mm-hmm. understanding where the deficiencies are at, and yep. seeing if we can improve that uh, that overall experience." So, you know, I, c- I can imagine back in that day, I was trying to picture what that looked like, and you know, you've got the customer not quite understanding how to move around in their stuff, and yep. you're, you're, you've got all these pieces that don't always line up, and that's always a big challenge as well. Even though the internet's been around for what 25 years or so, there's a lot of people out there that are not fluent or leveraging it and and making it work for them they're always working to make it work which is a double-edged sword right they must mind melt with it
0: damn it um you mentioned something so cool toastmasters we need to talk about that for just a few minutes i meet an awful lot of shop owners that are in toastmasters and the, and it may be for that right reason because they talked car and then now they had to be on the counter and, and run the place and hire people. And they needed a little bit more self-confidence in their communication skills because, as you said earlier, Scott, it's
1: all about communications. Do a two-minute, encourage the, our, our listeners. Well, I'm going to agree with Scott. I mean, you know, he hit it. Communication yeah. is a big deficiency yeah. in our shops. And if you can't communicate properly or clearly then, then you always have to look at yourself as a leader, look in the mirror, and are you giving the right directions? Are you giving clear directions? Are you, are you benchmarking? Are you able to present your information? I yeah. give monthly meetings. I give weekly meetings. I need to make sure they're crisp. I need to make sure they're short. So Toastmasters allows you every week to speak in front of a group of people. Um, Craig O'Neill, yeah. a couple of people on my team are now on Toastmasters because yeah, I, I encourage it strongly. It's so cheap. It's like, why wouldn't you do it? And it's an hour of your, your life every week. So if you want to improve your speaking skills, doesn't mean that you're going to get up in front of a room of people and talk. It just means that you have the ability and effective, you know, the ability to work on your effective communication we, we with did, your teams.
0: We did a podcast a few weeks ago on soft skills, mm-hmm. and that's the number one soft skills communications. I mean,
1: absolutely. Is. And yeah. here's a cheap way to work on that one, number one well, soft skill. Cool. Right? All right. Well, you now have the secret hack, Toastmasters. I would say it's a big one.
0: Hey, Carm here. Now, you know I attend Apex in Las Vegas each year. It's my must-attend show for one simple reason. It keeps me up to date on everything in the global automotive aftermarket industry. At Apex, I see, touch, and compare the latest new tools and equipment in the industry. I learn how new technology is affecting independent repair shops. I sit in on advanced training sessions on underhood service and alternative fuel vehicles. And so important, I network with others facing the same opportunities and challenges. I know many of you are shop owners, managers, or technicians. I also know going to Apex means time away from your business. But I simply don't know how you can stay ahead of the huge transformation and changes taking place in the industry without attending Apex. Hey, make Apex your must-attend show. The dates are Tuesday, November 5th through Thursday, November 7th at the Sands Expo in Las Vegas. Registration, it's only $40 and it only takes a few minutes. Go to com. Processes, there isn't anybody that I said if you don't have good processes, never, never grow to a second store if your processes aren't down and locked and good. But in the world of you know, looking at always improving, is the culture in your business is, hey, if you can find a better way, let's talk about it and let's write it into
2: the manual and let's all learn it. Uh, how does process improvement work in your places? We look at it as the deficiencies appear, you know, make, make themselves more apparent. And I, I know I'll go right into a bigger part of our world today is finding out what the heck is actually going on with that car and actually getting compensated for it, right? So we're talking about diagnostics, right? And a, a lot of shops handle it all different ways, but I like to look at it the same way that you get processed when you go to the doctor, right? They, they check your weight. They check your blood pressure they check your you know your vital signs right they do a few rant, few basic tests and they're always logging that and they're looking at trend lines we should be doing the same thing in our shop and and we and we do car comes in for a you know type of a running problem or what have you we've got an inspection form that gets filled out that's part of the software flow technicians required to actually go through those steps before he can complete the job we're logging and putting that data in there where into the ticket, into the actual software. Okay, the software. ticket has it. Yeah. So when
0: it comes back, you can see the last
2: three or four trends. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's, it's saved our butts over the years because now we've got good data. So we've done a test. We validated that, that this thing is working. It's working fine. We can say, hey, that's not that's not an issue. That car comes back six months from now or a year from now or what have you with some sort of a problem. Consumer may say, well, why didn't you guys find this before? And we show them the data. We say, hey, we ran this test. This, this was the data then. This is the data now. And they look at that and go, wow, you guys know what you're doing, right? That's, That's one of the process examples that, uh, that we like to practice here. And it also that translates right into the dollars, right? So no longer are you just writing down, the check engine light was on, I had this code, and I replaced this part. There's a lot of stuff that happened in between there to actually make that job and validate that you did the repair, but that should quantify some dollars. Is that showing up on the ticket? Yes. All of that. Yes. So the customer
0: sees what really happened and it conditions them to realize that this is a healthcare center for their car and there's vital
2: signs. It's an education piece as well, because now the consumer is seeing, oh my God, these guys are, there's a lot going on here. This is a complex vehicle. We're putting it back into service and we're doing a, an excellent job. One that the customer now comes to expect, right? If they end up going somewhere else that doesn't get that That doesn't deliver that same experience. They're likely going to come back to us. Absolutely.
0: What do you call that? I mean, is there is there a name of that process? You don't I mean, call it like vitals or something like that? No, I mean, normally
2: we, we have like a performance analysis, and, and okay. it, it, right. it universally applies. So it could be an electrical problem, or it could be an engine performance problem, or maybe the car doesn't start or what have you. So we, we'll set up that each of those individual packages, but they've got to, they've got to follow these steps. Tech logs in, he's logging, he's putting data in. I mean, we're taking the rich content that comes from the tester, you know, mm-hmm. test tool, scan yeah. tool, whatever. Yeah. Data goes right in there. And it helps us down the road because now we can go right back to that ticket a year from now and say, oh, oh man, look at this. There was maybe an indicator that was starting to trend off here. And sometimes, you know, perhaps we can get proactive, right? And now we're talking about prognostics. So we're seeing things that are starting to happen. We're going, hey, you know what? You're going on a trip. We've seen a number of these cars, you know, and your car is showing these signs. I'm going to recommend that we replace this widget valve because of whatever, you know.
0: Every time I sit down with Scott Brown and so many others, we get into the FAA aircraft and we talk about doctoring and we talk about the health. Are we sick and tired of hearing that? Or should we keep that vein of communications going so we can change the paradigm of our thinking? Well, I'm glad to hear that other people are mentioning the
2: FAA part. I, I was just, well, didn't... I think they're picking it up from you. And uh, well, maybe I was just at uh, fortunate enough to participate in ASEs first, uh, you know, community or industry-wide ADAS mm-hmm. exploration on certification and validation or what have you. And, you know, I we went around the room. Everybody introduced themselves. And we had a great cross-section. We had OEMs there. We had tier one suppliers for equipment, ADAS type equipment. Um, this gentleman happened to be sitting right next to me. He basically started providing some input, and then he he made a couple of references to the FAA and the the, uh, airman uh, or the, the mechanic and the requirements, and I'm going... Wow. Holy crap. Who's this guy? (laughs) So when it, when it came time for me to talk, I, you know, and I've been pitching this, you know, this certification thing is, uh, I think we're now getting to a point where these vehicles have these critical systems on board and you're going to have to have somebody that really is doing the right job and they're signing off on it. There's some, there's some skin in the game here. And one of the examples is in the FAA, when you're training as a mechanic, you've got to get X number of hours of training you then qualify to take a written type test, all right? Once you take that written test, then you have some X amount of training, and then you have to get signed off to then take what's called a proficiency exam. And the proficiency exam is you're meeting a, uh, an inspector, and he is interviewing you. He's understanding your thought process, and then he applies some some testing. You, you have to do some functional testing things uh, according to a practical test standards book. So you may have to diagnose something like a circuit or a gauge or what have you, but you're now proving your knowledge. All right. And that's what I think was missing from our industry. Um, You know, we can take a multiple choice test and then we're certified, but that doesn't prove that you have that proficiency. And I think the vehicle technology stack is now going to demand a a next level uh, of certification. And it's, and, and one of the things that ASE requires, they, they say that this certificate has to be defensible. Defensible meaning what? In a legal sense? Yeah. So I'm not sure how we can leverage just a standard written test and calling that guy as, as authorized to do that kind of work. Probably not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday, I interviewed Dirk Fuchs from
0: ZF, mm-hmm. and it was my first time interviewing him. It was kind of a... Jeff Bly was with him and you got to listen to this episode when it comes out. And he was describing how you get a license in Europe because he's from Germany. He's been here for mm-hmm. five years. And if your car that you're driving that you're going to get your license for has is ADAS equipped, they ask you about the system. And then when you get in the car, they ask you how to turn it on and off. You know, they want you to, what's the principle of it? And how, and do you know it works? Show me. They do things so different there on even the way they educate their technicians in a knowledge-based first and then a problem-solving issue later. And he says, everybody in America, they just won't solve the problem. They don't care how it works. Those are just a couple of comments to your thoughts. But you and I did the business side of ADAS last week in the Town Hall Academy. Thank you for being on that. I walked away very afraid of that discussion because there were so many good things that came out. But my biggest takeaway, and usually every episode I do, I, I pull one thing away, and it was the lack of standards, Scott. And yeah. you know, the, the thing that you're doing and, and working with ASE and, and, and what they want to do, is
2: is a step toward that. Yeah, incredible. And you know, Dirk, I, I know Dirk very well, and, and we collaborate. We'll be next week in San Diego at a Bimmers conference, cool. and, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. all. This is a big, big topic, but. We were talking specifically about that, the training uh, for a driver. What has changed in the last 30 years in the states here on a driving test? The only thing they've done is probably removed a a proficiency test, which is parallel parking, right? Mm -hmm. Which is is pretty sad, but you know in germany he was explaining all the metrics that that he probably shared with you on your your interview yeah, yesterday yeah, and yeah. that they are required to show that they understand how these systems work and when to when to not use them and and how to disable them or and what have you today you know the this is a big marketing piece right they're they're just telling the consumer that oh this car will do all this stuff they're getting in these cars the drivers are not they're not in tune with how they really work yeah, yeah. and could, and it could be a big big issue for us. so
0: well, thank you. I know we, we went off base a little bit, but I think my listener understands that if Carm sees us a nut over there, I may just chase it. <laughs> Let's go back to the productivity hacks and give me some things that you're doing front of shop, you know, a, a consumer friendly uh, thing. I,
1: I want to go back in the base and I oh. want to say a, a good hack is that <laughs> I'm a, fine with that. And I talked about this <laughs> in my presentation yesterday and it has nothing to do with the digital inspection, but it's a tablet in the bay. And I said, everybody in the room, you should have technicians with tablets in the bays. And they said, most of the room kind of agreed. And I said, the reason is whether you're doing a digital inspection or not, what drove me crazy when I first purchased the shop that I had in Rowlett was there was one computer in the, in the six or seven bays And what I saw was a technician going to the laptop, looking at the diagram, walking to the car, going back to the laptop, looking at the diagram, going back to the car, back and forth. And, you you know, we talk about a shop hack, productivity, efficiency. How many wasted steps Mm -hmm. are these technicians taking? So then I set up some doctor's carts. So doctors had tablets or laptops and and you know, they go up and down and you can wheel them around and they have little power packs. So I set up these, but they were big and bulky. So I've gone through a couple evolutions and finally I'm like, man, we can use these tablets. So tablets they can pull up the identifix, right? They can pull up the wiring diagrams, they can pull up your all data, they can pull up all your different types of schematics. You're talking about something that saves a lot of time, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you're doing a digital inspection. Right, right. right. You can load it with Slack. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to. I think a lot of people equate the digital inspection to a, a tablet. But I would say, ta- you know, if you don't have tablets in your base, you're right. then you're wasting a lot of time. It's a lot all, of sp- you know, a lot of steps. It's
0: lean. It's Six Sigma. It's, you, you, it should be. To think about at the end of the day, the steps and the time you've saved to possibly bring in that customer who's really in
1: trouble. And, and now you've got time. Or that distraction, right? Between you yeah. looking at that schematic and then the three oh, distractions before you get back to the car. And then you just forgot, forgot, or you misread, or you misunderstood, right? Towards I forgot what
0: I had for breakfast. Yeah, and absolutely. it's only nine o'clock. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. know. Yeah. so so smart. Great.
2: Yeah. Another thing to add on that back shop thing is, uh, you know, that, that's great. I mean, having that data right there. But you explain one computer. Every tech should have their computer in their bay, right? One of the things that we do in our shop. Every every tech has a computer, dual monitors. Oh, that, that is huge because, yeah. I mean, again, these vehicles are complex. Mm-hmm. You're looking at wiring diagrams. You're looking at a point of reference information over here on the left, and now you've got a whole wiring diagram that you can kind of go through versus a single screen where you're, you're tabbing back and forth, and it's, uh, it, it gets convoluted. So that is a huge time saver. Monitors are very cheap. Yeah. And uh, we've got mobile carts around in the shop as well, So and, and some of them have test instruments in them. So the software today, if it's modern, it's all seamless. I mean, what you're looking at on your, your desktop, you can now just bring it right over to your other, other device and, and work like we should be working in the 21st century.
0: How many screens in your office?
1: In the counters? All of no, them you, your room? office. Mine? <laughs> two, three, four? I just went to two. Oh, really? And all my team. Yeah, okay. all my team. How many? Oh, I probably
0: have six. Okay, good, good. I see, I just went to three. Yeah. <laughs> I went to three because I have Slack up on one and, you know, and I'm doing editing and video and audio and I guess I like it to be
1: bigger too, you know, those 27 inches. And, and I I used to, I went overboard, Carm, you remember I'm a developer, so I, I used to have lots of screens. And then what's funny is I went back to one because I'm like, hey, I just want a single point of reference because then it got unwieldy out of control, and then my team's convinced me that I need to again. Mm. So it's funny because you can over you can over uh, indulge in
0: technology. You can you can get you know there's there could be a huge time suck because something, something pings you over here Absolutely. and you're busy writing over here yeah. and you just. I can't <laughs>
1: imagine. It's got six screens. I, well. I mean, butterfly, butterfly, squirrel, squirrel, yeah. butterfly, squirrel. <laughs> well, actually,
2: I should qualify that. There's six screens between three computers. Okay, so so I have like on my desk, I've got okay. two computers running yeah. dual monitors and because i may may have something highly intensive uh, you know processor driven yeah, 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 yeah. that's running and, and it bogs down if you try to multitask sure. if you're it doing video and stuff just like let that, that stuff go can work over here and, and keep cranking away without having any effect for on both that, of you so. guys
0: i can't imagine uh, the stuff you guys i mean I, could, I don't think i could ever follow you guys in one day of work C- can we go to the front of
2: the shop now
0: sure Perfect. absolutely we can we can go to the back of the shop in another episode but uh, front of shop any, any great ideas
2: uh, one of the ones that we use again, we've got dual monitors at the front counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two service advisors also have their desks at the back, so we can they can seamlessly go front and back. And the the one thing that we use up on the front counter, we use this tool um, that I believe CarQuest provides us with, and it's a. Uh, virtual vehicle that's what that's called yeah yeah it's a great illustrative tool again these vehicles are very complex but it boils it down it it gives a visual on how the how the wheel's rotating how an axle's rotating how the brakes work it saves us a ton of time and communication because now the customer who knows nothing about an automobile we can get them up to speed with what's going on with their vehicle and it's a great experience for them too because it's likely something they're not going to get elsewhere. And I always tell my guys, hey, we always need to focus on that customer experience. You need to excel above and
1: beyond anybody else so that that customer is always coming back to us. I just suggested that in my class yesterday, virtual vehicle. When I found that, I I, I said, throw away that dirty box of air filters and belts and get with technology. Mm -hmm. And to add on to what Scott's saying, we even, in our big screen, in our showroom, I encourage them, to educate the customer on that big screen, not just their turn, their monitor, but if they can educate that one person and there's five other people in the room, that makes this look even smarter because then other people are watching it and go, wow, that is cool. I did not know that yeah. worked that way. Yeah. And it makes sure people look extremely intelligent. Um, also virtual vehicle, you know, there are some digital inspections that allow you to put those videos inside of the inspections as well. So mm-hmm. not only at the counter, but then you can share them on the phone. And the virtual vehicle, it can. You can send the videos to the phones as well. Yeah, you, you can, can send them a link. Great. Or, yeah. But you you just brought up an excellent point. You know, when
2: you're illustrating something to a consumer and you've got other one others that are sitting there, they may have questions, but they're afraid to ask. Absolutely. And they're sitting there going, oh, my God, wow, this is awesome. So, so think about how your knowledge is being expanded across the, the others viewing. So the, Absolutely. Great, great presentation. Why tool. is it
0: taking so long for this thing
1: to catch on? Because it's been out for a while. <laughs> That's funny. So I was just in my class. One of the questions was, we deal with a lot of people and other businesses. So we're going to get all modern with technology. How do we get them up to speed with technology? And I said, that's a great question, right? I said, either they're going to move or they're going to die. So if you look at Blockbuster and you look at all these other industries, so we as an industry, I think are starting to become woke. I'm going to use that word woke for probably the absolute you know wrong reason. No, but I like it. You know, So I think everybody's starting to realize, wow, I, I, and I hear it all the time. I need to get with it. I'm behind. I'm like, good thing is you're not behind. And good thing is you, you realize that you need to start getting with it. You, you use it every day. You know, your, your cell phone, it's ridiculous, right? We take that thing everywhere. We take it everywhere. So you're, you're the same person who's telling that, hey, we really can't get on board with technology. But of course, I'm on board with technology. That's just not true, right? Yeah, I think uh, the, the biggest part, the woke part, Right. How do they get to that point? I think the biggest
2: issue is most guys are in their shops working in their business Maybe. rather than looking at their business. So coming to events like this where you're networking with individuals and you're, you're basically laying out your pain points, they're laying out their pain points, they're going, hey, you know what, we had that, and this is what we did to solve, and you're going, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what actually happens in these events. And you know, you're know, you going into classes getting data, but what's happening in the hallways here? And uh, the connections—it's great. I the agree. most
0: powerful part of every conference is the networking. Yeah. And if you don't shake a hand and meet somebody new at tables, at at booths, who's sitting next to you at a class, you talk about the litmus test of where you are compared to the guy to the left or the right of you, or someone you met in the hallway. And, and, and I think you said it, Chris. Um, they get woke. Yeah. that they've known about it, they've read about it, they've heard about it, and now guess what?
1: Everybody around me is doing it. I'm a laggard. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys talk about this often, but I told everybody in the room, if you're not part of a peer group, same thing. Yeah, same. You can't make yeah. it to a conference. Be a part of a peer group, because there's a chance that yeah. if you're part of a peer group, somebody else in that peer group has thought about that problem. Yeah. And they're going to give you the suggestion. Think about that. We're competitors. Oh, me and Scott are competitors. We're all competitors. I mean, let's not lie. I mean, we we can be friends. I can can play a soccer game. I can knock the guy down. I can score three goals. But after the game's over, I'm going to shake his hand, right? He's a friend. But I'm still competing. I still want to win. I want to win. I want my shop to be the best. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be able to take care of my people. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But how cool is it that you can be in an industry where you can be in a 20 group with or something like that, and you have nineteen, sixteen other owners that are willing to share everything. And like you said, even here, you talk to people here, you've got several hundred people willing to share ideas and thoughts, and that's fantastic. Right? You, you're, you're missing out if you're not taking yep, advantage yep, of that. Yep,
2: yep. Now, one of the things uh, that I encourage my front office, I, I encourage everybody to do this, is to try to look at it from the consumer's perspective. And I tell my guys, hey, I want you to walk out to the curb. I want you to walk up the driveway and take a look like this is the first time you've ever come into this property here. I'll try to guide them a little bit without having to tell them, you know, hey, do this, do that. And we'll walk up and I go, what do you see? And he goes, man, why are there two rags over there on that on that bench or whatever underneath the? I go, exactly. That's the kind of stuff that when a customer brings their $40,000, $60,000 vehicle and they're going to drop it off to us, we need to... Move some trust into their perspective to understand that hey, we we care about what we're doing. We just had a uh, a local college group come in, and uh, this, this is a fleet management group for the for the Claremont Colleges, uh, and brought them over because we want to we want to earn their business. I mean, we're we're doing piecemeal business with them, but we want to earn like all their business. So we brought one of their managers over. First thing out of her mouth was, "Oh my God, I've never seen a shop this clean before." Awesome. And it was like, oh, this is golden. I mean, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. My guys are doing a great job. So, and, and, a, and it's a lot
0: of hard work to do that. Yeah. Let me share a story with you. Back in my oh, back in my day in distribution, I took a gallon of paint, white paint. I took it to the curb with the owner. I went out to the shop. Yeah, what's the paint for? I says later. And so the paint, and then I moved the paint to the to his hand, and I says, all right, let's walk in. What do you see? look around and, and I saw, you know, the grass coming out of the blacktop and the edge. And I saw all that stuff that I, I knew wasn't curb appeal ish. We went inside, let's go into the bathroom. Let's go here and let's go there. And he finally realized I ever telling him what the paint was for. And it is a great exercise. Just like you said, go out to the curb and take a look, look detailed. I mean, look in the, look in the crevices, look, look at the dirt on the counter, look at the dust over here, look at the magazines that are frayed and, and looking ugly. So I, I self, have self
1: self-reflection. I have uh, some add to that. So there's a, a Kano model, Lean Six Sigma. There's a Kano model and, and it's looking at it from customer's perspective. Lean Six Sigma, we borrow a lot of these ideas. So I gave part of my presentation yesterday. I'm giving a presentation next week and it's about this model and learned a lot from this model. And one of the things you, you talk about, how do you get people to energize themselves and become woke and, and step up Or your people? Part of this model explains that there's things called delighters, Delighters are like a bottle of water. Delighters are like a digital inspection or text message update. Spell that light. Is it L-I? Delighter. Oh, delight. A delighter. Okay. Okay. What happens over time is delighters become must-haves. So the coffee shop was a good example. Coffee shops 10 years ago, they didn't have Wi-Fi. Now, if you go to a coffee shop, what's the first requirement of a a coffee shop? Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right? It's become part of... That whole I expect this, so that's what I explain to people about technology is look what we do now that is a delighter that delights a customer. If I continue just like Scott said, if I do a great job and a thorough job of looking at your vehicle and I, I, I digitize all these pieces of it, and you get this experience four or five, six times, you get these updates. You get, you know, you get the bottle of water. Now, when I go to the other shop and and I go, okay, wow, you're going to send me a text update, right? I go, no well, you're going to send me an inspection, right? Uh, No. What is that consumer thinking? Wow. These people really that behind, is it that bad? Right. So it's going to drive them to the more techno technologically advanced shops. And then you're going to frustrate the ones that walk through the door that came from Scott's shop. They're they're going to be frustrated when they move from town to town, they're going to be frustrated. So right now it's a delighter, but in the future, it's going to be a must have. Yeah, Yeah. It's like, you know, fixing a car, I know a lot of us talk about that as a competitive advantage. In a consumer's mind, that's a must-have. You must have your own tools. You must have your own people. You must have your own supplies. You must be able to fix a car. That's what your consumer expects. And pretty soon, soon it's going to be Wi-Fi for a coffee shop. I am delighted to have you two
2: here. Thank you so much. Scott, do you play? Uh, are you a musician at all? Uh, no, I like to listen to a lot of music. Okay. But, I, but, I, but playing, he said he's a goal, uh, soccer player. I was a goalie. So when he said he's going to score three goals, I'm actually stopping every one of those.
0: Very good. The reason that I asked is, uh, you know, Chris is a musician. Um, He's a rock and roll musician. And we were at the pre-party here just two nights ago. Listen to the solo guy play for us. And I looked at Chris and I said, we've got to bring the podcast alumni together. You know, anybody that plays has got to come here. And uh, and do six or seven songs for this group next year. So that's you and I are going to try to pull that off. Absolutely. Now, like it sounds like we
1: can have a soccer game out on the pitch too. <laughs> yeah, so we're good, yeah, right?
2: Actually, <laughs> I, I've recently written a song that I, I want to do, and it kind of illustrates what the challenges a diagnostic tech is up against, and you know the customer, you know the oh. check engine lights on but and that kind of stuff. Is so it, is it bluesy? Uh, no, no, or? it's more rock and roll. <laughs> oh, and, right. and and I have a uh, potential future brother-in-law who's who's lives in Hollywood. Would and he's in music and he does Ooh, he does some high end stuff it. so I, I if I know you you'll get it uh, I, yeah I know. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that but maybe we can play it sometime at an event
0: awesome you'll get it done Chris Clodier uh, Golden Rule Auto Care Dallas Texas and founder of Autotech.me and Scott Brown Connie and Dick's Claremont California founder of Diag.net you know I was thinking about all that you do not only own the shops but these other important entities companies in, in our industry. You're also here teaching and giving and uh, kudos, kudos to you guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.